So, uh, man, it's Christmas time, and if you're like me, you have already got your tree out of the attic. You've decked your halls. Man, you've got Mariah Carey and Bing Crosby playing on uh, Alexa. I do it in my office. I do it in my kitchen. You know, I mean, you've probably taken a couple of rat laps around Home Alone and, and my favorite Christmas vacation, right? I mean, it's that time of year, right? And, and it is a, it's, it's a merry time of year, we hope. We want to all want a holly jolly Christmas, and most of us probably think this is the greatest time of the year. I know I do. And I think you do, and we all have great memories and all that kind of stuff and, and, and everything, but although it's the greatest time of the year, it's also the busiest, right? And here's what preachers, and I've been guilty of it years ago in the past, and I realized that's crazy. Here's what preachers do a lot in Christmas. They want to stand up, and they want to say, I know it's busy. Man, you've got parties to go to. You've got gifts to buy. You've got gifts to wrap. You've got food to bake. Man, you've got obligatory family functions that you're going to go to where your drunk uncle's going to show up and get a gift and go home. You're not going to see him until next year. And you're wondering, why do we let him in every year? And so, uh, you know, you've got all this stuff going on, and preachers will stand up and say, hey, just slow down. Don't make Christmas so busy that you miss it. I'm telling you, forget that. You're not going to slow down, okay? Let's be real. It's crazy for me to stand up and say, slow down. You're not going to slow down. I don't even know if you need to slow down, man. Ring all of it you can out of it, right? It's one time a year. So whether you slow down or not, that's not what I'm telling you to do. But it's busy, and if you don't slow down, you at least need to take time to behold. And that's what we're calling our Advent series this year. Behold, take time to behold, because if not, you're going to get so blinded by the Griswold's lights and, and so full of anticipation for Ralphie opening that Red Rider uh, BB gun on Christmas morning that you're just going to, it's going to fly by, and surely there's more to that. Surely, you know, we don't want to just uh, get to the end of Christmas with a credit, a mountain of credit card debt, slap silent night on it, and call it Christmas, right? I mean, surely there's more, and so uh, how do we do that? How do we behold? Well, that's what we do every year with Advent. It's called Advent. If you're new to church, the word Advent means arrival, right? Celebrating arrival. And here's what happened. Uh, For really now for 1,500 years or so, the church through church history has celebrated Advent as we look back on the arrival of our king. Now, even before as we're going to see today as we look at Zechariah that Travis read, uh, before people looked forward to the arrival of that king. Now we look back, but we also in Advent season, not only do we look back at that day, uh, which, uh, you know, when Jesus was born, we look forward to the day that he'll return, his second arrival. And that's what Advent is. And each year during Advent, we ask you to take, you know, one of these little books and behold, it's just a moment during the week to behold. And we got some out in the front. And if you want to pick one up, great. And you uh, part of that is an Advent wreath. You saw it in the video, people lighting those candles on their table. That's called an Advent wreath. We sort of have one behind me, uh, and it's not round so that you could see them all. And uh, it candles, we light a candle each week to represent one of the aspects of Christmas. Today, we're going to light the joy candle at the end of the message and as we focus on joy, because here's what Zechariah tells us as we stop and behold. Zechariah tells us that we can have joy. We can have joy because of that day, we can have joy in this day, and we can have joy because of one day. And that's what we're going to look at. So so let's dive in and look at the joy that we can have because of that day, right? Now, we just finished the book of Daniel, Bold in Babylon. If you were here, you remember it. If not, go watch it. I love the series. Uh, Daniel, it tells a story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and what God was did in this time frame when 
Before Daniel even had his driver's license, he was ripped from his hometown and taken captive to Babylon in exile where he lived for 70 years. And he served God by serving the king of Babylon the entire time. He sought the welfare of the city that he lived in. We live in Babylon. We should do the same. Great examples for us. But, but Daniel ripped out of his hometown, uh, captive in Babylon for 70 years, but God had said at the end of 70 years, he would redeem them, bring them back into their homeland. Exactly what happened. Cyrus became king after the, uh, the Persians had defeated the Babylonians. Uh, Cyrus, became king, Cyrus became king, and he issued a decree that the Jews could begin to trickle back into uh, Jerusalem in order to start the rebuilding project of the temple that had been destroyed. And as they were doing this, uh, the priest, prophet, who was leading the people of Israel there, his name was Zechariah. And it was a really tough job. He had a tough task because these people were dejected. I mean, these people had been beaten down in Babylon. Man, they go back. They don't have a, a, a king to lead them. They have no place to worship. They uh, are picking their lives up literally out of the rubble of the destroyed temple. Uh, I mean, man, they are beginning to question and wonder, does God really care about us? Uh, is God really good because all this is happening to us? Uh, you know, you can relate to that probably. I know I can, but I feel your pain. You come today sort of like those Israelites. You come sort of like those, uh, those Israelites that had went back to, to, uh, to Jerusalem, to the hometown, but everything's in ruins. And some of you feel that way. Some of you feel like, man, uh, th this is not too merry and bright of a Christmas. Maybe you're dealing with a health issue or you are someone in your family. Maybe you're dealing with the death of a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with infertility issues. Maybe you're dealing with financial or job struggles. Uh, you know, most of you right now, uh, all of us right now are probably, if you've got kids at home, you're wondering, man, I don't think these kids are ever gonna be able to buy a house and get out here. They're gonna live with me forever. That's stressful, right? And so you've got all these things that really can steal the merry brightness out of the season. And, 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 and that's what uh, the, the, these, these folks in, in Israel were dealing with. But Zechariah comes in, in the midst of this, and he says, hey, rejoice. And he speaks that to us today, wherever you are, rejoice. Now, how could he say that? He says, rejoice is found in looking at that day. It's found in focusing upon that day. Look at what he said when Travis read. He said in verse nine, rejoice greatly. Remember, he said, rejoice greatly. Now, he said that in a time when it was a dark day. It was, it, the, the future was uncertain. Rejoice greatly, he said. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming. Behold, your king is coming to you. This is one of the most beautiful messianic passages, prophecy, prophetic passages in all the Bible. It's not just the lyrics of a Christmas carol. It is the challenge to anticipate to look forward to behold the arrival of a king, right? Even in the face of, of dark days, even in the face of an uncertain future, even, uh, you know, as they uh, were literally picking themselves the, uh, up, the pieces of their lives up out of the rubble, he said, I know you've got stress. I know that you're wondering what the future holds. I know you don't know how any of this is going to work out. How can we ever accomplish this? I don't understand. He said, rejoice. Rejoice, shout. Why? Behold your king. That's how you do that. Behold. Now, now, anytime the Bible says to behold, something's coming, right? It's like when Jesus says, 
listen, 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 right? I mean, that's all he's saying is, it's behold, something's coming. And that's what he wants us to get. You see, God has always called his people to joy. In the Old Testament, uh, no matter what they were struggling with, he called them to joy. We see it here in Zechariah. In the New Testament, God has called us to joy. Both uh, Philippians uh, and 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, rejoice greatly. Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. God has always called his people to joy, but sometimes it's so hard to find that joy. Sometimes it's like, man, uh, I, I don't know how in the world I could have joy on this day because of what's going on in my life. I mean, it's chaotic, it's crazy. My life is just out of control. I, I, I'm stressed, I'm, I'm full of anxiety. My kids, I, I don't know, how can I have joy? By beholding our king, by beholding our king. That, that, that's, what, that's what Zachariah says. It's the same for us today. Behold, your king is coming. Now, why would he have to say that? Because they didn't have a king. They didn't have a king to lead them. They, you would think they would be full of anticipation looking for the king, but he had to say, hey, look, 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 your mind, I know, and that's what happens to life, right? When life hits, you begin to lose focus. Life hits and you begin to really lose focus. And, and so he knew that they had lost focus because they should be anticipating the arrival of this king. But, you know, they had grown weary. It's sort of like, you know, your kids on Christmas morning. You know, every Saturday between now and Christmas and every Saturday of the year, if you will allow your kids, probably sometime around noon, you would be shouting up the stairs at my house, I would, kids, get up. Are you going to sleep all day? Right? I mean, you're going to yell at your kids because your kids are going to sleep all day. That, that happens every Saturday, but not on Christmas morning. You don't have to go up and rustle your kids up. And, hey, kids, you filthy animals, get out of here. We're going we're gonna to tear these Christmas presents open or I'm taking them back. That, man, they're, they're filled with anticipation. They're not even sleeping. They're, they're waiting for the light to just crack through the, the, the blinds or, or, or just to hear one little rustle downstairs. And man, they're down there, right? Because they're full of anticipation. They want to see what's under that tree. You would think they would be the same, but, but here's what happened. Man, Christmas, so to speak, hadn't come for the better part of a, uh, of a century. Remember, they've been in captivity for seven, seven years. Uh, eventually, you know, if you jump out of your bed and run downstairs and there's no gifts under the tree, eventually you stop getting up, going downstairs and looking under the tree. And that's what they had done. And, and, and Zechariah knew they needed to be stirred up. He knew they needed to be stirred up. He knew that life had hit them hard. And he knew that, that their, uh, uh, their experience would begin to override their theology. Now, I wish I could preach right here for a long time, but I can't. But, but you see, that's what happens, and it gets us distracted. Because our experience, so many times, we say we believe something, and we do. You know, we say, man, this is what I believe about God. I believe this about God. It's all great. Then something happens. Life hits you right in the mouth. And when life hits you in the mouth, here's what happens. All of a sudden, your experience, if you're not careful, can begin to inform your theology. And that's not how it happens, folks. You have to let your theology inform your experience. But, but Zechariah knew that their, their experience would begin to form their, uh, inform their theology. And they say, is God good? Why did he let this happen? He, he, he knew that their question, that, that, their, that, that question marks would replace their exclamation points in life. I, I, don't, I don't know. He knew this. He knew that they were struggling. And, and so, so he knew that they needed to be stirred up. And, and so he told them to behold. Hey, behold, this is, this is true for us today. Look, 
And that day, Zechariah was pointing them 600 years in the future to a king that would come. He was pointing them to Advent, to anticipate the arrival of this king who would literally change everything. And they could have joy because he was coming. Today, we look back on that same king, the same king that Zechariah was was, uh, pointing them toward, telling them to look forward. Uh, We look back on that day because he's come. We look back, we have a completely different perspective than the Jews, which is amazing. And, 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 and today, we're in the same boat where life has hit us between the eyes. It's hit us in the mouth more times than we can imagine. And man, there's some great things going on, but we all have some crud going on that could literally cause us to lose focus, the busyness chaotic, and we can get to the end of this thing and literally have a mountain of credit card debt, slap silent night on it and say, man, we had Christmas, and we don't need to do that. You're gonna be busy, but you gotta stop and behold and behold your king. Behold your king and behold that day. The day that God stepped out of heaven and come and was laid in a horse trough. Behold that day and what it meant. So behold that day, that can give you joy. And then we need to behold uh, because it can give us joy in this day. You know, because that's really what we want, isn't it? I mean, man, I I love that. But I I sort of want joy today. I need some joy today. You know, life's hit me between the eyes a lot lately. And and man, I need some joy today. And I believe you need some joy today. and, and, And how can I have that? Well, when I focus on that day, it can give me joy in this day because that day changes this day completely for me. Because you see, when, when God came uh, to, to, from heaven to earth, uh, Zechariah tells us that he was a king who was righteous, he was saving, he was holy, he was humble, riding a donkey. That, he was unlike all of the kings that they knew. You see, they knew the kings of Israel and the kings of Israel were disobedient and they were self-serving and the kings of Israel got them in the mess that they were in. It was through their leadership that got them to captivity in Babylon. This king was unlike that. He was righteous. This king would be holy. This king would be just. This king would be pure. They had seen the kings of Babylon and Persia, Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus. They'd seen all these kings, and, and, and they were wicked kings. And their objective was to promote themselves. It was self-promotion, self-glorification. As a matter of fact, you remember Nebuchadnezzar, he goes out and builds this mighty statue on the plain of Durham, 90 feet wide, uh, high, tells people to come and bow down and worship. The kings in that day typically proclaimed themselves as a god, and they would make statues, and they would be worshiped as a god. And so, uh, so they, not this king. This king didn't come to serve himself. He come to serve his people. He come to save his people. He's clothed in salvation. It means he's not only brings salvation, he is salvation. This king is different, right? This king wouldn't glorify himself on a, with a golden statue. He would glorify himself on a wooden cross and glorify the father on a wooden cross. This king was different. He, he was good. He was righteous. He was holy, and he was humble. That's why he said he's coming on a donkey. You see, here's what happened in that day. When generals would win at war, they would come into the city. They would come back home riding a war horse. And they would ride a war horse, sometimes parading their captives of war. And they would declaring, man, how great they were because they had won victory and they had taken more land and their national security was safe. And man, they were the hero. They were the savior. They, and so, so that's what Israel really wanted, to be honest. Israel's thinking more national security than spiritual security. 
Israel's thinking more, you know, peace and the homeland than they are peace in their soul. And that's what they wanted. They wanted someone to come in and reestablish their national dominance and who they were. And that's the kind of leader. They wanted this general, this military leader, this powerful warlord to come in. That's what they were really looking for. But Zechariah says, hey, I wanna, I wanna begin to give you a hint right now. That's not what he's gonna be like. He's not gonna come in on a war horse. He's gonna come in on a donkey, which was a symbol of peace and humility. That's exactly what happened on Palm Sunday. If we fast forward from that day to 33 years later, we know that Jesus came into uh, Jerusalem. And, and when he came in, man, the people were so excited. And like those citizens of Rome, when the, their generals would return on horses, and they would crowd the streets and cheer and throw stuff at the, you know, throw, throw stuff, good stuff at the general and, and just praise his name. Well, that's what the people of, of, of Israel did when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. He came riding into Jerusalem, and man, it, they were waving palm branches. At him, they were throwing their clothing in front of the, the, you know, in front of him, sort of like a red carpet arrival. Man, they were worshiping, they were praising. This is the one. This is the one that's gonna gonna help us get back our prominence in the world and restore our place in in this world. And he's gonna redeem us from this Roman oppression and yada yada yada, all, all this stuff. And and and, but he didn't come in on a war horse. Just as Zechariah said, he came in on a donkey. That, that, that they should have clued in. As soon as they see this, Zechariah, wait a minute, this is a different kind of king. This is a different kind of savior, right? He's not coming to secure our national security. He's coming to give us spiritual security. He's coming to redeem our soul, right? He's coming, he's coming to take away the problem that, that, that our greatest problem, and that is peace with God. That, 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 that's what was going on, and, 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 and this was fulfilled. And, and so this is the same for today. This should, have, this should have given them peace. It should have given them joy. It should have given them joy knowing, you know what? When that king comes, he's gonna give me peace with God. That's my greatest need. All my insecurities and vulnerabilities and man, all, all the thing that, that's missing in my soul that, that just makes life never click, that makes it just feel so weird and out of sync, man, he's going to fix that. He's going to make it possible that I am right with God. Man, that gives me so much joy. Today, man, we look back on that day and that day changes everything if you're a believer about this day. Because if you're a believer, you look back and, and you go, man, my life is chaotic. Man, my kids are, are, are hellions. I mean, my, my marriage is, is, is out of control. Uh, my job, I don't know what's going on. My finances, you know, the interest rates are crazy. But here's what I know. I know that I am a believer. You know, I have to remind myself of this every Saturday pretty much. When Tennessee plays football, the Titans, at least, they can't take away my salvation. You know? I mean, at least I'm saved. Got to have some kind of joy, right? And so, so uh, you know, that's what it does is when we focus on that day, and it gives us joy in this day. No matter what you're facing, you can still have joy. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy and you're always going to be happy. No. Man, I, I haven't been happy, uh, you know, a, a, a lot lately, but I've got joy because I know who Jesus is and what he did on that day. That changes everything about this day because I have peace with God, right? And so let's talk about joy for one day. Look at verse 10. I love these two verses because they tell two different 
stories. They're, they're, they're really the same story about the same person, but two different events. Look, look at what verse 10 says. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow, shall, battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Man, we could stop here with what I've talked about, and man, it's Christmas. I mean, we could have enough to sing Christmas carols for eternity and be joyful and happy, right? But there's more, right? This is the great thing. This is Advent. There's more. Verse 10 gives us something to look forward to. Verse 9 talks about Christmas. Zechariah says, hey, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Jerusalem. Rejoice. I mean, shout for joy, for your king is coming. He's talking about Christmas Day. They looked forward to that. We look back. And man, that's what that's what we're celebrating right now. So we look back to that day, changes this day. But here's the thing, verse 10, it, it, as verse nine calls to look back. Verse 10 says, look forward. It's Jesus, it's the same king. And he says, he's coming back. That's what we do at Advent. We remember, we look back to the fact that he came and we look forward to the fact that he's coming back. And man, what joy that should give you, right? I mean, what joy that should give you. This is why I love this passage. It puts us in the same posture as the Jews when it, when it was first delivered because Zechariah is challenging them to, to look forward to that day, right? That we look back on now, but now he's challenging us to look forward to that day. It's the same posture as the Jews and that should give us joy that one day he's coming back. One day, he's, he's gonna return. And Zechariah says, when the king comes, when Jesus returns one day, this day won't matter anymore, right? When, when, when he returns uh, one day, man, it doesn't matter what the interest rates are, right? One day, it doesn't matter how much student loan that you've got. One day, it, it won't matter that, that you know, you, you, you won't be afraid that your kids are never gonna move out of your house, Right? I mean, one day, this day won't matter anymore. One day, there'll be no more war. One day, there'll be no more Russia invading Ukraine. No more Hamas bombing Israel. No more whatever the war is tomorrow or this week that's going to start. Wars and rumors of wars. One day, there's going to be no more war. Why? Because the war horse will be cut off and the battle bow, he says. The battle bow and the war horse is going to be cut off. Isn't that amazing? I mean, one day, uh, there is going to be no more political tensions. Praise God, can you imagine life without political tension? I mean, th this, this ought to give you joy today. We have, I don't think, a person that can lead this country, but we got a king who's in control of all of us. That ought to give us joy, right? That ought to give us amazing joy that there's no more political tensions. I can't even imagine that. You know, I would encourage you during Christmas, man, one of the ways that you can have joy and behold is, man, don't get on CNN and, 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 and uh, Fox News and watch the, 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 the news pundits, you know. Here's what I equate. Televangelists, all the news pundits on all the, the news shows, they're the same people, right? They're lying to you. They're all telling you what they, what they want you to hear and they're confusing and scaring you. Just get off of it for a while and you'll be a whole lot better off. Right? And so, so because it, this political tension, but one day there's not going to be any of these political tensions, right? One day there'll be no more genocide, no more terror, no more abortions, no orphans, no starving kids. Man, one day there's not going to be any more cancer. No husband's going to lose his wife. No kid's going to lose their mom. No child's going to lose their, 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 their grandfather. There's no more death, no more disease. 
Listen, one day there's going to be peace. Peace at home and peace with God. One day. One day we're not going to get together for a Christmas party and our Thanksgiving meal and there'll be so much tension because that drunk uncle's there. And everybody's like, why do we keep inviting this dude? Man, somebody don't tell him where we're meeting next year, right? And there's all kind of tension because, you know, somebody said something to my, to, you know, to, to my kid, my, you know, my sister said something to my kid last year. My sister's husband said something to my husband. And man, I'm telling you what, man, it about come to blows. And I, I, you know, I mean, that's not going to happen one day. I mean, it's sort of fun, but it's not going to happen, really. If you're not involved in it, it's fun. You sit back, I'm going to watch you. That's what Christmas parties, my family Christmas parties were always fun. I'm telling you, you never know when a fight was going to break out growing up. And so one day, you won't have that. There's going to be peace at home. There's going to be peace uh, with God. Man, one day, that meal's not going to be strained because you're going to be welcome to a table of peace one day. Man, that should give you joy. Here's what Revelation says about it. John writes in his vision in the book of Revelation, verse 9, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Heaven is going to be packed, folks, okay? Heaven's going to be packed. And, you know, all the folks that say, man, I don't, I don't know if I like a big church. You might not like heaven. It's going to be packed. And uh, I don't know. Sorry. I've got to get some stuff in there every now and then. Uh, it's going to be packed. You know, we're not, I mean, it's not, we, we are the remnant. But from the time of the people of God, uh, man, it's packed, right? You go back to Moses all the way through, it's, it's packed, right? And so it, just think about that. We're not alone, right? We've got a multitude of witnesses that are looking down, cheering us on. And, 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 and so, you know, it says that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages. It's going to be full of people from all people groups. That's not uh, polygeo. It's not just political geographic uh, uh, nations, not just like, you know, uh, not like China and Russia and America. Those are uh, political geographic. This is, this is people groups. It's, uh, there's cultures within every, every political geographic nation. It's, there's going to be all people from all tribes, all languages, all, all cultures are going to pack heaven which completely should eradicate any kind of racism thought uh, of people being inferior or superior because of any skin color or socioeconomic level or uh, intelligence because everyone is created by the hand of God and, and, and heaven is full of people from all nations, languages, tribes, everything, right? That's what we see. And it says they're standing before the throne and before the lamb. They're standing before Jesus clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now, let me stop here and, because and, I don't want you to get a picture of heaven is that, when, when, man, that Amy right now is in heaven. I don't want you to get a picture of Amy in a white robe just doing this for eternity. Okay, it's like, I don't know. Does that sound fun? I mean, I mean, yeah, we're before Jesus. That sounds great, but that's not what heaven is. Remember, this is apocalyptic language. White robes are symbol of righteousness and purity and, you know, and worship of Jesus. And heaven's not going to be this ethereal place where we're wearing white, floating on clouds. And man, I mean, you know, and the Charmin dudes are just around the corner. And that's not what heaven is. I mean, heaven is the new earth. It's like this, except it's completely renewed and credible and beautiful. And, and I mean, and there's, imagine when you look at the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains and as beautiful as they are today, imagine what they will be renewed, unblemished. That's heaven. 
man, I, I mean, you're not gonna hate your job. You're not gonna hate your boss. You're gonna love long sermons in heaven. I mean, it's beautiful, right? And so, so uh, you know, it says that, the, that they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is a picture that John gives, that the Holy Spirit gives to John on the Isle of Patmos when he writes it down and he gives him a vision of heaven. And one day, here's what we know. Every knee will bow. Every knee is going to bow. Right now, most of the world hasn't bowed to Jesus. Most of your friends haven't bowed to Jesus. Man, there are several, within a 10-mile radius of us right now, several hundred thousand people and 90% of those have not bowed their knee to Jesus. One day they will. And don't think that means there's gonna be this massive spiritual awakening where all of them are gonna to come to the churches and, and the churches are gonna be overpacked because everybody's gonna to surrender to Jesus. It could happen, I pray it would. But no, what that means is, is one day everybody's gonna stand before Jesus and everybody is gonna bow their knee and say, you are Lord, but that day will be too late. You see, it's this day that you must bow your knee to Jesus that day will be too late. But everyone will bow their knee in heaven and on earth and declare Christ is king. One day, our brothers and sisters in Thailand and in Brussels and Brazil and in Africa and endless more will join us to welcome our king at the table. One day. And so that's why this gives us incredible joy. Because you see, when we look back to that day and we know that God left heaven and came and was laid in a horse trough, and that he rode on a donkey into Jerusalem because he wasn't about national security. He was about spiritual security. He was about peace with God, not just national peace. Uh, He was about redeeming our souls. When we look back at that, and when we accept him and embrace that, it changes everything about this day. And when we look forward to the one day when he's coming back, no matter what's going on on this day, we can have joy in the midst of it. Doesn't mean we're gonna like it, that's unrealistic. Doesn't mean, man, we, we just, you know, say, oh, I love this. That's sort of strange and weird and sick. But it means that we can have joy as we look forward to that one day. Now, here's, here's what we do. Every year during Christmas, we take up a, what we call a one-day offering. And it focuses on what we just talked about. And uh, it, it is about preaching and taking the gospel to the nations. It's above your tithes. It's above your offerings. And here's what we ask you to do. We ask you to, to pray about as a family what you will give to the one-day offering. And here's what it goes to. Uh, it goes to our international campuses, and it goes to other things too, not just that. But it costs, uh, it takes $160,000 a year to operate our international campuses. And you think, well, that's not a lot. No, because they do give there too. And so we're, we, we offset it with $160,000 a year. That's what it costs because they live in areas that are a little bit different and, and, and everything. They're not completely self-sufficient. They're doing great. People are getting saved and baptized. Right now, it costs us $160,000 a year to operate those campuses. Now, in order to do that and to continue to take the gospel to the nations and to the people so that we can help Revelation the seven that we just read become a reality. We take up a one-day offering. We ask you to, to pray about giving above and beyond your tithe at Christmas time. What can I give to help that happen? So four years ago, I issued a challenge to you that I said, man, we want to raise a million dollars over the next four years, $250,000 a year above your tithes and offerings in order to take the gospel to the nations. We, are, we just finished year three, so we got one year to go. So our goal would have been $750,000. If, if we were at $750,000, 
then we were right on target. Well, folks, today we are at $875,000, which is 125 grand over, praise God. Thank you for being generous. Thank you, and you're generous because you have a heart for the nations, right? And so thank you for being generous. We're $125,000 over our goal, but we wanna blow by that, right? And so, so what we ask you to do is to pray about it. as a family, bring your kids involved, get your wife, and say, what can we give above our tithes and offering to this one day so that people from Africa, from Brussels, from Thailand, from Brazil, from all of our partnerships and from missionaries around the world can get the gospel so that we can be a part of funding the evangelism that, that makes Revelation 7 a reality. God does it, but he uses you and your funds to do it. So so begin to pray about now. We're going to start collecting that on the 17th, and we'll we say always we're going to collect it from the 17th to 31st. And don't get me wrong. I mean, if you if you say, hey, on January the 2nd, I forgot to give. Can I still give? We're not going to say nope. December only. Listen, you can hand us a check at any point. We'll take it. All right. But we, in order to you know have the funds so that we can disperse them, uh, we're going to start collecting that December the 17th through. December the 31st, be praying about that one day. And, and today, here's what I wanna be praying about. If you don't know Jesus, forget giving to the one day offering. I want you to consider right now giving your heart to Jesus so that you can have joy in the midst of chaos. So that this Christmas, you can understand what it's all about and it changes everything because you'll know that that day changes this day as you look forward to the one day everything changes. So today, if you don't know Jesus, if you're watching online, text the word Jesus to the number on the screen, 611-615-551-9800, and we'll get back to you. If you're in the room, just come and talk to us, okay? We want to help you uh, understand what that means. Now, what we're going to do now, we're going to light the joy candle. Travis is going to come, and, and we're going we're gonna to end by singing, right, some more Christmas music. I, I, I love Christmas music, uh, and so I hope you do, but we're going to end by singing about this king that has come that is coming back. And so as the band comes, I'm gonna light the joy candle. And, uh, and so I'm gonna light it. And if you've got a, an Advent candle, uh, a wreath at home, this is what you would do when you sit down with your family and you would light it and, and, and just read the, the, the portion there. It's really to behold, okay? And so I'm gonna light the joy candle. And man, we're going to, uh, uh, to continue to sing Christmas songs as we... Uh, I thought I was gonna light the joy candle. Uh, oh, there it is. Somebody needs to, yeah, it'll get there. Somebody needs to cut the wick on that thing or something. But uh, man, we, the joy candle is lit. We're gonna, we're gonna stand and sing. Let me pray. And then man, I hope that today, you know, the expectation is not for you to stop and do nothing for Christmas. That's crazy. In your busyness, Pause and behold. Pause and behold the reason that you can have joy no matter where your life is. Because we had a king that came and we have a king that's coming back. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for allowing us to come together and celebrate you. God, I'm so thankful for Christmas. Lord, I'm so thankful that we, we stop and pause and think about the fact that our king came and that he's coming back. Both of those things, Lord. That day and one day changes this day. And God, I pray that our lives would be changed as we focus and as we behold and pause. We love you and praise you today. Save someone in Jesus' name. Amen.